Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in. Hoist the colors on this Thursday, February 8th. We are eight days away from East Carolina baseball. Throwing out the first pitch on its season on February 16th when they host the Ryder Bronx inside Clark Eclair Stadium. It is almost here. Of course, we talked a lot of basketball, pirate football, some signing day this week. We previewed the Super Bowl. This is going to be another baseball-heavy show as we're going to have Scott Rogers, the play-by-play voice, join us shortly. Also, Philip Pilkington is behind the glass in the studio, as always, doing his thing, so he'll chime in throughout the next hour as well. We're live on YouTube and Facebook. By the way, don't forget to subscribe on our 94.3 The Game YouTube channel. We're continuing to get those numbers up. We basically launched the channel brand new when we launched this show back in May of last year. So we're approaching the uh, the one-year mark. Of three, we're three months away or so from that. We've already got gained a number of subscribers. So continue to subscribe. Hit the notifications bell so you know every time we go live with this show or the Patrick Johnson show. He had a great interview with John Gilbert, ECU Director of Athletics, on Wednesday's show. You can go back and watch that. And download the IBX Media app to take us on the go wherever you travel. All right, let's talk some Pirate Baseball, and to do that, let's welcome in Scott Rogers into the program. He joins us. He's getting some vacation in himself, but he's nice of us, or he's nice to join us on this Thursday. So, Scott, first off, you're getting a little bit of downtime, no basketball this week, men's or women's. So how are you enjoying some uh, little rest and relaxation before the grind begins next week? Uh, using it as an opportunity to get caught up on some notes for baseball, get an early start on it, and uh, just chillax for a couple of days before the before the grind starts next weekend. Yeah, I mean, you know as well as anybody now, Scott. Once the baseball games start, it is just an absolute. It just doesn't stop, man. It's just it, there. There are so many games, and you you go to every road game with the team. And I mainly just cover the home games. I think with two kids this year, I'm going to try to take some more games off, send the interns a few times. But it is a, it's a long season, a lot of long days. It's what we love, of course, Scott. But uh, there's no doubt, man, college baseball is one of the longest seasons there are given the amount of games, right? It is. And, you know, whether it's, you know, four or five games a week and those off days, you know, you're you're prepping for other games or once you get into conference play, those Thursdays, you're traveling, you're having to go to an airport at – you know, seven, eight o'clock in the morning, you're traveling all day. And it's, it's certainly a grind. And that's for, you know, a broadcaster saying that. And there's no telling what it's like as a, a student athlete having to deal with it. And we're going to have you on every Thursday in season, or at least that's the plan, of course, with travel. If, if it doesn't work out, we'll get you on another day. But uh, every Thursday, next Thursday, we're going to have a roundtable with Jonathan Wagner uh, and Scott Lorbacher and myself. You're more than welcome to join us then as well. And we'll make some predictions and that sort of stuff. We'll talk big picture here in segment one in a little bit. But I do want to give you a shout out. Of course, you're doing your your play-by-play stuff with the ECU Sports Network, with ECU Baseball. But you're also doing some more stuff with the ECU Sports Network with Playfly, Scott. So for fans who 
aren't quite aware of that yet, along with your, your time with Interbanks Media now. Uh, keep us up to date on, on what you're doing outside of just ECU baseball play-by-play and where folks can find your work. Yeah, with the ECU Sports Network doing a lot more digital content this year with them and you know i appreciate clay walker and everybody with Playfly having the idea to bring me on and and do some other stuff with digital content and everything but a lot of y'all probably saw the video we did with josh grows last week and we're going to continue doing some segments like that uh we've been doing some baseball countdown stuff on social media as well in fact probably about 25 minutes ago we put up the joey barini home run against nc state last year since we're eight days away and just trying to have a little more digital presence on the on the network side, and in today's world, you know, digital content is a is a huge part of everything. Scott Rogers is with us, play by play voice for ECU baseball, and Scott, there, there's there's expectations this year, of course. I mean, there, there's always expectations surrounding Cliff Godwin's program, and it's just it almost seems like now. I feel like maybe a handful of years ago, we we as the media and even the fan base and maybe the team kind of got caught up in the preseason rankings and uh, the team is picked to, to, to win the American. The team is projected to host a regional in the preseason. And like we made such a big deal about it. And we still look at that stuff. We still report on it. But it's almost like commonplace now. Just It, it feels like that's part of ECU baseball now. It's, it's such an expectation. Just It feels like it's not even a big deal when we, we see this stuff now. Yeah, you know, when, when Cliff Godwin first got here, you know, I was 14 years old when Cliff Godwin was named the head coach here, which is crazy <laughs> to believe it was so long ago. But, you know, you used to get excited about seeing a, a number in front of East Carolina's name. And, and now, like you said, it's it's a normal thing to see that number in front of East Carolina's name. Yeah, you might get a little bit more excitement if you see a single digit in front of that name, but it's it, that shows where this program is now, is fans and us as the media expect to see East Carolina ranked every single year and get these preseason accolades. But as Coach Godwin mentions, and and the players talk about this too, you know, preseason stuff doesn't matter. And that's one thing that's so good about the culture of this program is, you know, a lot of places would get called up in those preseason rankings and want to live up to the hype of these preseason rankings and accolades. And as they say, preseason doesn't matter. They don't even look at it, which is one thing that is so good about the culture of this program, because they know that they have to be able to do what they do in during the season and not have that as a focus point. I mean, really the, the only time East Carolina has not lived up to expectations. I think they were preseason number six or eight, whatever it was after the Texas tech, Super regional, and then bringing all those seniors back. They were they were preseason top ten, and that season got away from them. And I know Cliff Goblin has told me, and he's probably told you as well, along with several other media members, that the best thing that happened to ECU was that season because I think it learned, or it showed them and allowed them to learn how they can really ignore the noise and truly mean it. And I think since then, Scott, like they've been preseason ranked almost every year since what twenty nineteen or so, and. I don't think the team has like I mean they've basically hosted or been a two seed every year, so they they've never failed to meet the expectation. Really, this, basically the second half of the Cliff Goblin era, right? And you know that's one thing. You know, as I said, that that's where this program is right now, and and it's almost it would jump out to people if East Carolina wasn't ranked not only in the preseason or during the season, whatever, but. Yeah, it's like you said, you know, this team has has consistently been a top 20 team over the past three to four years. And 
you know, that's one thing about this program, as you said, you know, hosting a regional or or being a two seed. It's just that's where the expectation of this program is now. And, you know, you would go back maybe 10 years ago or before Cliff Godwin was here. And if East Carolina was ranked this consistently, I think that people would would be jumping for joy and celebrating it. But now it's a norm for this program. All right, year 10 for Cliff Goblin. What what have you made about some of the, the staff moves with uh, this offseason, specifically bringing back Bryant Packard as a uh, assistant and then also with the extra assistant, paid assistant being added, they brought in Henry Lartigue. The Ole Miss pipeline continues. And, uh, you know, Jeff Palumbo back, Austin Knight back. What do you make of kind of the coaching staff and some of the moves made there? This staff is awesome. You know, being – being around them for the past two years has been really cool to get to know a lot of these guys and you know especially someone like Joe, like Jeff Palumbo or Austin Knight those two guys are such great coaches and and when you get down into it that's not even mentioning guys like Heath Blackman or Blake Hardigree that do such a good job that people might not notice it a lot in the public view but those guys really do a great job and as you mentioned bringing on someone like Bryant Packer to be an assistant coach or student manager, whatever his title is this year, is I think a great move because as someone that has played in this program, played for Cliff Godwin, played for Jeff Palumbo, who knows the expectation of this program, knows what it's like to play for Cliff Godwin, knows what it's like for what he's going to expect out of these players. And then he can translate that into the coaching side and translate to these players, hey, if you want to play in this program, this is what it's going to take. And I think that's a huge thing with having someone like him on staff. And then you mentioned Henry Lartigue as well and got to meet Henry a couple weeks ago for the first time and sat down with him for about 20 to 25 minutes, went through all the hitters on this team. And, and man, what a sharp mind Henry Lartigue is. Has a lot of energy, spoke very highly of the players here. And this is someone who's only been at East Carolina for a couple months now. And for him to – to have adjusted so much to this program, I think says a lot about him. But the, uh, Henry Lartigue is going to be another great addition to this already outstanding coaching staff. When I had Coach Goblin on the program, it was either late November, or early December after fall ball. I asked him, I mean, he's been a hitting coach for a long time, and he brings in a hitting coach in Lartigue and also Pack. And I was like, are you going to be, you know, hands off at all? And he said he's going to take a big step back. From you know, he's still going to be evolved, of course, and he did. Let's let's keep in mind he coached Lartigue and Packard, so like there's going to be his imprint on that uh, philosophy, all that sort of stuff is still going to be involved. But are you looking forward to seeing if there's any I don't know notable changes? The offense has always been good under Coach Goblin here, uh, but just from a, an approach standpoint, what do you think maybe that difference could look like, or or is it just kind of a wait and see? You know, I wouldn't say there might not be a, a big change to this offense. With with these two new guys, you know, talking with Henry, you know, he talked a lot about these guys and how they one of the things that he's done has just sharpened up some mechanics with this with this team. I know he said he he's worked a lot with Jacob Starling on sharpening his two strike approach, maybe challenging the hitters a little bit more mentally in the box a little bit. But I don't think there's going to be too much of a, a change in terms of velocity or attack from this offense. But it definitely helps when you have. You know, still have Cliff Godwin here, obviously, and you have two guys like Lartigue and Bryant Packard that have been in this offense before, and they know what it takes. All right, so we're going to get into position by position here in our second segment and talk pitching a little bit later. But as you kind of look at this team as a whole, Scott, 
as we kind of break it down to segment one, what gives you the most confidence as we sit here on February 8th that this team can live up to expectations, host a regional, and maybe even you know get back into the national seed discussion? What, what aspect of this team gives you the most confidence? I think there's two things, and that's experience and leadership. Yeah, they might kind of be the same thing, but when you look at this team right now, especially starting lineup, you know, outside of Bristol Carter and center, you know, this team has got a lot of experience coming back. Of course, you have Luke Nowak in left. You'll have Jacob Jenkins Coward in right. That's a pretty experienced outfield and infield same way outside of Dixon Williams. And Dixon did play a little bit last year, but around that infield, there's a lot of experience. And so I think that's one thing that's going to help this team a lot. And then going back from the leadership standpoint, you know, I was in studio when you talked with Carter Cunningham and, and Trey Savage a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, they Cliff Godwin and all the staff members mentioned it at Media Day as well, how this is one of the more player-led groups that's ever been at East Carolina. And I just think from a leadership standpoint, this team is in a great spot right now and that could carry them to a lot of bigger places this season. We heard Danny Bill say at Media Day that discipline equals freedom is their motto for this year. What did, what did you make of that? And it sounds like uh, Cliff Godwin kind of left that up to the players. Uh, I guess that just goes back to the mindset of if you approach things the right way, it'll kind of equal the success you want. Is that what you made of it? Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, doing things the right way, that's one thing that this program has always done. And that's, I think, the biggest thing that's always helped them. You know, yes, there's programs out there that might have a little more success than East Carolina. They don't necessarily do things the right way, but that's one thing that is so prideful about this program is East Carolina has always done things the right way, and that will eventually, that will keep happening, and eventually, as Cliff Govan has said, that door to Omaha will get kicked down. Yeah, we can't repeat what he said at the end of last year, that they're banging on the, uh, the bleep out of it, so, uh, but hey, uh, we're all ready for that day. We'll see if it's this year, but it's just, yeah, it's one of those things as long as they continue to put themselves in that position, it will happen, whether it's 2024 or later. All right, let's get our first break in. Again, Scott Rogers with us today. We're going to go position by position. We've been doing this on Hoist the Colors in written form to a degree with some VIP previews. We'll do it in audio form here on the show when we come back. We'll go position by position, break things down where they stand across the board. For the Pirate Baseball team, eight days from first pitch on this Thursday edition of Hoist the Colors. Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Steven Igo. How good is this? On 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back in. Hoist the Colors on this Thursday, February 8th edition of the program. We got Scott Rogers joining us today. Again, ECU play-by-play voice for baseball. He will join us every Thursday in season. Very excited about his partnership with IBX Media and the ECU Sports Network. So looking forward to having him on the show all season long. Philip Pilkington is back in the studio producing as well. All right, we talk more big picture in segment one. Again, we're live on YouTube, Facebook. If you got a question you want us to, to address, drop it there. We'll get to it. But otherwise, we're going to go position by position here, uh, Scott, and kind of just break things down a little bit, how things stand, position battles, storylines, that sort of stuff. So let's start with catcher. You know, we kind of know what, what ECU has there to a degree because it's the same top two as last year, just, last year Justin Wilcoxon and also Ryan McChrystal are back. And pretty big surprise that Wilcoxon is back 
you know, going back to the offseason, but, uh, and then Walker Bear and the freshman. So when you kind of look at this position, you got to feel pretty good if you're a Pirate fan. Yeah, and, you know, this is a position, too, that has always been deep with Cliff Godwin teams, with him being a catcher. I think, obviously, he knows that you got to have plenty of catchers on a team. But when you have someone like Justin Wilcoxon coming back, and, you know, this guy is obviously going to be the starter, I think, for this team, unless something absolutely crazy happens, where, you know, he had such a good end to the year last year. And, and this is a guy, too, that – just does everything you ask. He's a, a quiet guy. You know, J-Dub does not say much. You know, I've probably heard him say 10 words at most ever. Uh, but that that shows what type of guy he is. He goes up there, does his job, and does it at such a high level. And then, of course, you have Ryan McChrystal as well, who's dealt with some injuries in, in the past here. But another one that can step right into that catching role. And the one good thing about Ryan McChrystal is he's such a good hitter that you can slide him into that DH spot as well, which is probably where we're going to see McChrystal a lot of this year, splitting time with Cam Clonch maybe in that role. And then you mentioned a freshman Walker Barron as well, a, a guy that could really be the catcher of the future, I think, for this program has a really good bat you know, he, he's another one that played a, a high level of high school ball at IMG Academy. And so this is a guy that has already played that high level of this game and certainly has that mentality to be an East Carolina catcher of the future. I think we're definitely less worried about catcher this year than last year because, correct me if I'm wrong, but if something were to happen to one of the two guys, they trust Walker Barron a lot more than they trust Nick DeLisi. Then they did trust Nick DeLisi last year, right? Yeah, I think so. I would so, say so. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Delisi wasn't necessarily maybe ready for this level at times last year, and, and so that's why I think you know if something were to happen to to Wilcoxon or or Ryan McChrystal, where you get into a late game situation where you're having to sub some guys out for pinch runners, that sort of thing, that you you have a little bit more of flexibility at that catcher position. All right, so last year, I don't have the exact numbers of how many games Wilcoxon started at catcher, but he played in 60, and he started 55 games total. Some of those, I'm sure, were DH, but either way, 66 games ECU played. He started 55. That is 83.3% of the games that Wilcoxon started, guys. So, like, what is a more reasonable split? Because that is not ideal for your everyday catcher to be starting that many games. You do get days off in college baseball, but there's no doubt he had a beating or he had taken a beating by the end of the year. And it's amazing he was able to stand up and, and play that many innings. But I don't know, Scott, what do you think? Like, what do you feel like is a fair split there, percentage or just games amount, you know, for Wilcoxon to start at catcher versus, say, DH or just getting days off? I think you you maybe could see him get you know a day or two off every every week or so, um, but I, this is definitely going to be your your primary catcher. And you know, as we said, now that you have that flexibility at that catcher position, maybe you you do it a little bit more. You know, depending on who you're playing, your opponent, your pitcher, whichever. But you know, one thing you look at with Wilcoxon last year, and you mentioned the amount of games that he started. And, and played for East Carolina. You have to think too. He was hurt for you know a couple games last year, and so you know that number probably would have been a little bit higher had he not been so you know exhausted from an injury standpoint as well. But that shows how tough he is, and you know, the, and, and it's like you said, you know, he didn't have to come back to East Carolina this year. There was a lot of people that were surprised, but you know, he knows that this program wants to get to that 
higher place of Omaha, and he wants to be a part of it. And I think that's a huge reason of why he came back to East Carolina. I think one of the X factors this year is McChrystal, and we'll see how much he plays defensively. But he's had two monster summers, Scooter, from a from an offensive production standpoint, and we just have not, you know, seen that translate. A due to the injury, he's had a back issue. Now he has told us he's as healthy as he's ever been. What are your expectations for Ryan going into a big year, you know, draft year? If he plays up to his potential with the bat, he could potentially get drafted. Just And how much of an X factor is he if he can stay healthy? I think he's a, a huge X factor for this team because we know how good he can be from an offensive standpoint. You know, I think really he has a chance to be one of the top hitters on this club when he's fully healthy. And, you know, Ryan is a, a very hard worker. You know, we're talking with – Henry Larty a couple weeks ago, you know, he he's even said that he has the ability to be one of the best hitters on this club and that he can do it all from an offensive standpoint. And, you know, he had a really good fall as well with East Carolina, both offensively and defensively. And so right now, Ryan McChrystal certainly has, you know, that hype to have a, a breakout year. And it would be so good not only for him because this is a guy that's dealt with so much adversity from injuries. You know, that lower back injury last year kind of set him back so much and you know for him to be healthy right now for him to be such a good player too and as you said in a in a draft eligible year it would be so good for him personally to have a good year but also for this team as well because when Ryan McChrystal's healthy we all know how good he can be and that would be as you said a big x factor for this club all right let's go around the infield let's start with third base we'll kind of go reverse order from the conventional thinking here uh, third base, look, Alec Makarevich has started every game for the past two years. We all know where he is now. He's at NC State. That'll be a storyline. We'll talk about that here in a second. But it looks like it's Dixon Williams' job to lose. Speaking of potential breakout players, he has had a huge fall. At, at one point, I didn't know if he would have the arm strength to play over there, but it sounds like he's put in a ton of work defensively to make that transition. And uh, he's, he's, always, he's always been able to swing the bat. So, Looks like Dixon Williams at third. Scooter, what are your expectations for him, and who else could we uh, potentially see over there? Yeah, Dixon, I think, has has really proven himself as the starting third baseman for this club coming in. You know, he's had a really good fall offensively. I believe he led the team in RBI during the fall, and he's gotten so much better defensively. You mentioned the arm strength as well. I think that was a concern of most people coming in, not only this year, but his freshman year as well. But he's got – the, the talent to do it. You know, he's he's tough. Um, I think he's one of the toughest players on this team right now from a mentality standpoint. And, you know, the good thing is they're – I wouldn't say they're deep at third base, but they have guys that can slide into that role if needed. You know, one of those being the, the Pacific transfer and Chaz Myers, who really can play every position of the infield if you need him to. He had a really good fall offensively as well. And then – the one that has really stood out to a lot of people this year has been Colby Wallace. That freshman has had a had an outstanding fall, not only on the mound, but at third base as well. And so from an offensive and defensive standpoint, you've got other options at third base. But right now, Dixon Williams looks to be that guy at third base. And, you know, it's, it, I'm excited for him because we've seen what he can do. We know that he can be – a, a, he's a super athlete. He's got the talent to do it. And 
didn't get a ton of chances last year with Alec Makarevich playing in every game last year pretty much. He slid over the second base a little bit when Jacob Starling dealt with his small injury last year, got some late game offensive chances as well, but excited to see Dixon really have a consistent playing time this year to showcase his talent. All right, let's talk about the Alec Makarevich situation. Uh, Philip, I want to get your take as well. I think it's April 23rd, ECU will welcome NC State to Clark Leclerc Stadium. We'll start with Philip and then Scooter, you can give your take after him. Uh, what type of reception? I mean, I feel like it's it's, it's going to be mixed at best. Uh, for Alec, Like it, it's a tough situation because he obviously gave a lot to ECU. He had a ton of huge moments. You know, I was kind of walking down memory lane the other day. But, I mean, you transfer to NC State, you kind of have to expect it. So, what are your thoughts on the situation, especially when NC State rolls back into Greenville? You know, it's maybe the biggest question of the year for Pirate baseball fans. You mentioned the big moments, and you think about the walk-off bases clearing double against Carolina in here, which was such a high-scoring game a few years back. And the fact that, you know, what you talked about earlier, where he has started every game at third base over the last two years, and you can't ignore the fact what he's done to the program. But to leave... And a lot of people are not only happy that he left, but in the way that he left. And then on top of that, you throw in the fact that he went to NC State of all places. Um, I think it's going to be like two-thirds booze and maybe a third cheers would be the best I can give. But, man, it... I, don't, I can see it being completely the other way where it's two-thirds cheers too, but I just think enough people are ticked off. Of course, you know, he tried to come back for the football game and and get his ring, and then, you know, obviously coach said, no, nah, he can't go on the field. And then he's been at some basketball games. I know I've seen him at some basketball games. I haven't seen him getting heckled too bad. It's going to be really interesting, but I think overall they're going to see him in that, uh, that ugly red and white and – I think most of Pirate Nation will not be able to restrain from uh, having some choice words for AMAC. Scooter, what do you think? As you, look, I don't think AMAC's a bad guy. Uh, you know, haven't gotten to know him super personally well, but you you were on the road with him the last couple of years. What do you expect, both from AMAC and from ECU fans, when uh, he comes back to Greenville? Yeah, I think it's going to be a uh, interesting moment to say the least. Uh, you know, like, much like Philip said, I think this it could be a mixed reactions. You know, there were some people that were on that the AMAC side. There was more people that were on the ECU side as well. But, you know, regardless, this is a guy that, you know, for four years, I think it was four years, gave everything he had to ECU. You know, a guy that started pretty much every – I think it might have been every game in the past two years for this club. And, you know, it, it sucks the way it ended – for sure. But, you know, at this point, I think you just got to put everything behind you. You know, it's over with, it's done, you know, move on from the situation and, you know, go your separate ways. You know, it, like I said, it sucks that it happened the way it did, but, you know, you go, you go your separate ways, you know, you go to NC state, do your thing there for your one year and hopefully get drafted this year. And, and the biggest thing too, is, you know, we, we talk about how you're always a pirate. This guy will always be a pirate because he graduated from East Carolina and, you know, that's one thing that a lot of people can't say as a student athlete. You know, a lot of them don't get the opportunity to graduate. And 
and, and that's one thing. He'll always have that degree from East Carolina. And, you know, he has a chance to have a, a good year at NC State this year. You know, they lost their third baseman last year, Lou James Groover. So he has a chance to slide right into that spot for the Wolfpack this year and, and play at that level. And, you know, you obviously want the best for, for everybody. You never want someone to, to do bad at all. At least that's my perspective. You know, it'd be a very hateful thing to do to, to wish somebody very bad doing stuff. But, you know, like I said, go your separate ways and, and put it behind you at this point is my take. All right, there is uh, Scott Rogers on A-back. I feel like it'd be easier if he obviously if he transferred somewhere else where the Pirates didn't play A-back, and then we wouldn't have to talk about it. But unfortunately, we have to talk about it, at least lead into that game later on in the season. All right, middle infield. We'll go around the infield, then get a break in. Uh, Joey Barini back at shortstop. Jacob Starling back at second base. So you kind of know what your starting middle infield is going to be. And uh, I don't think people, and I don't think even myself, realize how solid Joey Barini was at the dish last year. And Starlin had just an awesome year at the plate. So I feel like that is a rock-solid infield, especially from a hitting perspective. What are your expectations for that group, and how could they get even better up the middle? And, yeah, I mean, that, that group is, is definitely one of the top groups in college baseball, in my opinion. And, you know, they're not the they're not the biggest guys out there, but they're both tough, and especially Barini. Uh, you know, this is a guy that has always been one of the smaller guys out there, but he's never been overmatched. He's always been tough, and the guy that has worked his butt off since he's been at East Carolina to be in this spot now, and he's gotten better defensively. Talking with the coaches, he's he worked a ton in the fall to get better defensively. He's built his arm strength up a little bit. That was one thing that was always kind of rocky with Joey was his arm strength, but he's definitely improved from that aspect. And though, and then you switch to to Jacob Starling, and you know you you run out of things to say about Star because he's done so much you know not only at the plate but defensively as well and this is a guy that has really set himself up for a a prime season this year and a chance to really put himself in a good spot for a professional aspect after this season yeah Jacob Starlin last year 54 free passes he walked 44 times 10 hit by pitches compared to 50 strikeouts that is a tremendous ratio and he's told 19 bases and hit 10 home runs so he just you know, hits for average power, speed, gets on base. Just a great all-around player. Uh, first base, Scooter, to round out the infield. We kind of saw it initially when the offseason began. All right, this is Cam Clanch's moment. Senior, Josh Moreland moving on. He's waited patiently behind him. And then they moved Carter Cunningham over to first as well. So, you know, they both could get a shot. We also saw Chaz Myers playing some first base at the scrimmage this past weekend. So it may be kind of an early season situation see if anybody emerges there or a spot where you kind of rotate some guys what do you make about uh the first base position and whether it be Clunch, cunningham myers or even colby wallace has been over there it seems like it could be a spot we see some change early in the season until it gets locked down yeah i think so too you know i think you know overall this is this is carter cunningham's spot to lose right now not only because he's played first base before, but his bat has been so good for this team, especially last year. And that's a tough bat to take out of this lineup, you know, and that's why I think you you make that transition to first base for him. But as you said, there's other guys that can step into that role with with Cam Clonch. If you give Cunningham the day off or slide him into the DH role and put Cam Clonch at first base, but it's a good problem to have, you know, and Clonch has definitely been right there the last, you know, two or three years and just hasn't really gotten that starter's opportunity yet. He he has had a part-time starter's role for this team last year, but, 
you know, it's another guy that has that selfless mentality where, you know, he's okay with not starting. He's okay with doing whatever role it takes to get this team the most wins it can get. And that says a lot about Cam Clunch because this is a guy that could have easily left East Carolina last year and went on to somewhere and, and started all 60 games for someone. But he decided to stay here at East Carolina because that shows how good of a teammate and leader he is. Cam Clunch last year posted a 912 OPS, which is excellent. Carter Cunningham posted a 951 OPS, so two really strong bats from the left side. We'll see how Cliff Galvin tries to get both those guys regular ABs. All right, we'll talk outfield after this break, where Carter Cunningham can also play. We'll discuss that. Maybe a new center fielder this year, Jacob Jenkins Cowart. All that and more on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors. We'll be right back. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Iko. The game. All right, welcome back to the show. If only we could share our group text message over the air, which we cannot. But uh, fun times during the break. All right, let's transition now to the outfield. We're going kind of around the horn here. ECU baseball season preview with Scott Rogers, Philip Pilkington also in the studio. Uh, you know, it looks like Bristol Carter will start in center field. It looks like Bristol Carter mo- more than likely your opening day starter, but I was out Sunday at the scrimmage, Scott, and Riley Johnson was participating. We know he's been dealing with two you know, shoulder injuries, really on both shoulders. That could be a factor, but he had a home run. He stole a couple bases, great defense. So, like, if he's able to play, he's definitely going to play. But it looks like Bristol Carter is going to play a lot in center, too. Just Is that kind of your expectation at this point as well? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And and Bristol has, you know, obviously the, a super, super talented guy, you know, someone that had a chance to, you know, sign for a substantial amount of money coming out of high school to go pro and elected to come to East Carolina and says a lot about him because he wants to be a pirate and he knows he wants to be a part of this program and another one of those guys that wants to take this program to Omaha and he certainly can do that very athletic you know can can hit the ball like crazy a really good outfielder as well and so it says a lot you know there's not a lot of freshmen who have started under Cliff Godwin, you know, really only ones that come to mind, maybe at shortstop with Turner Brown and Ryder Giles maybe in that conversation. But there's not a lot of freshmen that start under Cliff Godwin. If he gets that opening day nod, that shows how good of a player Bristol Carter is. But as you mentioned, Riley Johnson as well, you know, had a really good year last year coming off the bench late in games. That was kind of his specialty, especially towards the end of the year. And so he's got that pop coming off the bench. And, you know, that's obviously a good spot as well for him to come into, you know, for late game situations. And defensively, he's so good as well. And you mentioned the shoulder injuries as well. A guy who's dealt with those shoulder injuries for pretty much since he got to East Carolina. I think one of them happened in his high school career. The other one happened here at East Carolina, but one that – you know, he throws his body into everything. He's not afraid to get hurt. He he gives it his all every time he's on the field. And so that's one, one player that is going to have to find his way to be healthy, I think, to stay in this lineup consistently. But even if he's not 100% healthy, I think you could still see Riley Johnson in this lineup somehow, some way on a pretty consistent basis. Right field should be Jacob Jenkins Cowart's barring something crazy. And he has had a really strong preseason. His swing looks like it's back to where it should be. It's quicker. And what have you heard about JC and your expectations for him potentially bouncing back from an, 
you know, a brutal injury and, you know, an up and down, but still solid sophomore season for JC. Yeah, you know, as you said, it was it, it was up and down. It was solid, though, overall. You know, it wasn't necessarily what he was to finish his freshman year, uh, but still a solid year. And, yes, the injury played a big part of that because right, right as he got hurt was when he was really starting to heat up and you could see – some of those things that were happening was was almost the exact same of what happened his freshman year when he first started getting really hot. But yes, he were has worked on his swing a little bit in the off season, and you know he's primed I think for a huge year, especially with this being his draft year uh, and another guy that could really put this program in a good spot this year. And you know you look at his profile; he's listed basically as a top one hundred prospect across the board. I mean, big size. Good speed, power, like it is, and not to put too much pressure on him, but he is in his third year at ECU. It's his draft year. Like, is he one of the keys in, in your opinion, to ECU having the, the reaching the ceiling as a team that is that it could potentially reach? I think so. You know, especially from an offensive standpoint, because when when he is at his best offensively, this team is normally at its best. You know, you know, you go back to. The Super Regional against Texas and, of course, that regional overall when UVA and Coastal was here. And that was when he was playing really his best of his career. And, you know, some of the the plays he made against Texas from an offensive standpoint. And, you know, I think that, you know, like I said, when he's at his best, East Carolina's at his best. And so I think that he is going to be a huge part of this team kicking down that door to Omaha. All right, Luke Nowak seems to be a prime candidate to play a lot of left field. Also, when I was out there Sunday, Carter Cunningham wasn't left with Clonch and Myers at first base. So, again, Carter can always slide out to the out- outfield, too, depending on what's going on. He plays really good defense, and we know he can hit the ball. Luke Nowak, we know he's got the speed. Started last year really hot. You know, kind of fell off a little bit down the stretch. Defense was a little inconsistent, but... I think we'll grow a lot from last year's experience. What are your expectations for uh, Luke Nowak going in his junior year? I think this is going to be a much improved Luke Nowak this year. Talking with some of the coaches, now he has worked extremely hard getting better defensively, and that has has translated onto the field as well. You know, last year definitely could have been a little bit better defensively. And, and he saw that, and he took it and, and worked with it in the offseason, worked with it in the fall this year. And so you're going to see a big improvement, I think, from Luke Nowak from a defensive standpoint. And, of course, the what he does at the plate and what he does on the base pass, I think, speaks for itself. You know, he had so many good hits last year, had a couple of big hits for this program. But when he's on base, it adds so much to this team because of how quick he is how how good he is at stealing bases and so and that's one thing too that he worked on in the offseason as well was was base stealing and you think well man what else could he do from a base stealing standpoint but you can always get better and he's shown that and with him putting in this work in the fall this year I think that Luke Nowak is prime for a, a really big year this year last thing from a positional standpoint and then we'll we'll take a break talk pitching a lot of the names we've talked about can also slot in at dh i think we'll see a lot of McChrystal clunch as you mentioned Chaz myers colby wallace in that dh spot but it feels like the team speed scooter is potentially as good as it's ever been since i've covered ecu we mentioned Nowak, 20 steals last year jacob starlin 20 steals last year Dixon Williams can really run. He had 20-plus steals, I think, in, in summer ball. Uh, Bristol Carter 
has a chance to really, you know, steal some bases. Carter Cunningham can run. JC can run. So I feel like this team has a chance to really change the game on the base pass. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, and, you know, that's one thing that I never really thought of with this team. But once you start naming off all these guys, you know, it is. It's a very quick team as well, as you said. And so this team – and that's one thing with Cliff Godwin teams is they love to write, run the bases. You know, we've all seen the hit and runs that Cliff Godwin has called in recent years and how they do that a lot. And so that's one thing that you throw into this team that could help them a lot because it gives you the – opportunity to use those kind of cliff godwin ball moves to to work you know obviously the the sack bunning as well is another thing to get that speed on the base pass as well and so yes this team definitely has has been one of the quickest teams on paper coming into a year and so that's another thing that's going to be interesting to watch this year on how that affects this team's offense from a from a base running standpoint all right, let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll talk pitching. We'll see how much we can get in in a short amount of time. We'll talk uh, We'll talk starting rotation, and we'll talk bullpen as well. This is Hoist the Colors on a Thursday, eight days away from first pitch. Hey, what's happening, man? What's happening? Tell me Every ECU fan's one stop for all things ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back in the Hoist the Colors on this Thursday. Final segment here. Got about six minutes left with Scott Rogers, ECU baseball play-by-play voice. We'll jump right into it because we got to get through as much pitching as we can. And we kind of know Trey Savage is going to be Friday. Zach Root probably Saturday. We've touched a lot on what that one-two punch could be. So let's fast forward a little bit, Scooter, to the third spot. It it almost sounds like Jake Hunter has the inside track there, but Wyatt Lunsford-Shigman could also start there. Chris Kaler is a possibility, but Cliff Godwin said he'll likely start in the bullpen or in midweek. So what do you make of Jake Hunter potentially getting that third spot? I think it's a good move. You know, Jake Hunter is one that has been in that Sunday spot before. You know, he was in that with his freshman year. He's got the starting experience as well but this is also a guy who has worked hard this offseason to get better he's gotten himself in a little bit better shape he made a huge jump in the offseason as well with commanding his pitches and he had an excellent summer this year in summer ball I think his ERA was less than one if I'm not mistaken and so he definitely has I think what it takes you know he's been in that role before as I said and has that mentality and I think it's a it'd be a great move to have Jake Hunter in that role and would be excited to watch Jake because this is a guy that his freshman year fell off a little bit, worked his way back up last season towards the end of the year last year, had some really good numbers. And so Jake is a guy too that, as I said, works really hard. And so it'd be fun to watch him get that opportunity and and go with it. And if that's the case, it means Chris Kaler, who was a you know bona fide all-conference pitcher, pitch well in the Cape. George Washington transfer is going to be basically starting depth and either a midweek guy or a bullpen guy, and he looked good Sunday. So, you know, we know Shingman can be a, a strong bullpen guy, but if Kaler's coming out of your bullpen, if you have a guy of that stature as a, a backup starter, essentially, that, that says a lot about this team's depth, right? Yeah, exactly. And this is a guy who's a Friday guy last year for George Washington, or at least he was at the beginning of the year when he faced East Carolina. And he really carved up East Carolina last year, if people remember that opening day matchup. And so this is a guy that has that Friday mentality. And for him to 
you know, really not even be in East Carolina's rotation to start off, as you said, shows how good this pitching staff is right now. And But that gives you the opportunity to have him coming out of the bullpen, gives you the opportunity to maybe start him in some midweek games this year, maybe some of those bigger midweek games against the Campbells or your, your Dukes or NC States of the world, people like that, because, you know, when you have someone with that much starting experience – coming out of the pen or, or making the starts in the midweek, that helps this team so much because, you know, a lot of teams don't have that quote-unquote midweek starter. Um, you know, the teams that do are, are very lucky to have that. And I think with someone like Chris Kaler and some other pieces to this pen as well, you could see somebody like that emerge as a midweek starter for this team. Scott Lorbatcher in the YouTube comments says, Jake Hunter in the sweep camo hats makes a lot of sense to me so he is on board with jake hunter in the sunday role and the pirates going for a lot of sweeps all right bullpen i mean you got to feel good if danny bill and wyatt lunsford shakeman are in the back end of your bullpen there aren't a lot of college baseball teams that have two guys that can close out games come in in the third inning pitch the rest of the way come in in the sixth inning pitch the rest of the way like these two guys are going to be the anchor and I feel like having those weapons just allows your bullpen to set up so much better uh, across the board. Just how do you how do you handicap this bullpen, Scott? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of pieces in this pen that can help this team a lot. You mentioned the pretty much top two right there and Danny Bill and Wyatt Lunsford Shinkman. And of course, Danny Bill led this team in appearances last year and you know, a lot of his outings were not long. Some of them though were long. And so you have the flexibility there where he can come in and give you a couple outs, he could come in, give you an inning, or he could go in and give you four innings if you need it. And so having someone like that helps a lot. You know, having Wyatt Lunsford Sheepman in the back end of that bullpen from a closer standpoint, those late innings, big, big situations, bringing him in, getting you out of jams is going to be big as well. And, you know, I know that, you know, it's been brought up that Wyatt might be into that Sunday spot of the rotation, but that's a hard piece to bring out of your bullpen, but it's good to know that, hey, this guy could be a starter if we need him to. Uh, You know, we saw him in the bullpen last year give you some long innings as well, and so those are two guys that are going to be key to this bullpen, and that's not even mentioning guys, too, like Eric Ritchie. You know, freshman Parker Thomas has gotten some solid innings here in the fall, and and in the scrimmages, Colby Wallace is another one that's going to get some innings, I think, out of the pen this year, and so there's a lot of other pieces to this pirate bullpen that are going to help this team a lot. All right, Scott, in a minute or less, what single pitcher are you most looking forward to watching this season? On each I think team? Zach Root. Yeah, I think Zach Root, honestly. You know, we know what Trey Savage can do, but Zach Root is one that had a tremendous fall, has worked a lot on his breaking balls this year, has gotten stronger as well. And so being able to for to watch him showcase that this year in a consistent starter's role is going to be fun to watch. And that's why I would say he's probably one of the, the top pitchers that I'm most looking forward to this year. All right, Scott, this has been a lot of fun, man. Thanks for joining us and looking forward to having you on every Thursday in season, man. Going to be a fun season. It is. Looking forward to it and uh, can't believe we're almost uh, a week away from from Pirate Baseball. Looking forward to it and uh, ready for this grind to start here in just a few days. No doubt. It's going to be a lot of fun. February 16th, first pitch against Ryder. You can hear Scott Rogers on 94.3 The Game and the ECU Sports Network and catch him all season long Thursdays 
on Hoist the Colors. All right, we got to get out of here. We'll be back tomorrow, 12 noon. Joe Sampson, Philip Pilkington, and I will preview the Super Bowl and more. We'll talk to you then. This has been Hoist the Colors. This has been.